Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, real quick. As I acclimate to new parenthood, I'm rerunning a series that originally aired on my podcast almost four years ago. It's a six-part How I Met Your Mother style series on how I met my husband, Stevie, beginning with my first boyfriend in sixth grade. I share with you the ups, the downs, and everything in between. For many years of my dating life, a healthy, long-term partnership felt so far away. So my goal with this series is to inspire you and to help you see that a relationship is possible for you too, no matter how far off it might feel right now. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you all again this week in part two of How I Found Love. Now, previously in part one, I'll give you a quick synopsis, but I do recommend that you go back and listen to part one first and then listen to this episode. And I'm going to say that about every single episodes coming forward in this series. And that's just because you can definitely follow from beginning to end each of the episodes for sure. But it's kind of like Friends or How I Met Your Mother, where if you watch it from the very beginning all the way to the very end, you get it a lot more and it's a lot better. So previously in part one of How I Found Love, I was obsessed with finding my soulmate at the ripe age of 11. And I found everything but all the way through high school and college. And I felt like I was always the single one. Even though I desperately wanted to be in a serious long-term relationship, I seemed to only attract emotionally unavailable men. And the one guy who did love me and wanted to be with me, I broke his heart. So again, if you've missed the full part one of my love story, then go to veronicagrant.com forward slash episode 81 to listen to it there, or just scroll up on your, or scroll down, I should say, one episode on your podcast player, and it'll be right there waiting for you. And again, I do recommend you check that out first. 
And before we get into part two, I just have a, another request of you, and that is to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. So if you've been listening to the Love Life Connection podcast and it's inspired you in any way, it's helped you in any way, it's helped you see a situation differently or move forward or see a block or have an insight or an aha or whatever it is, I would be so grateful if you just took two seconds of your time to leave me a rating or a review. It helps to boost this podcast in the rankings when people are searching for love and relationship and dating advice. And my mission is really to help smart, ambitious women who have it all except love to find love. And so I want more women like you to be listening to this kind of stuff, because I think a lot of women need to hear what I'm sharing. And I don't mean that, you know, that I'm the best and have a huge ego and all that kind of stuff. But so much dating advice out there really pisses me off. It makes women feel like they're doing something wrong, that their job is to please a man. And that's how you get into a relationship. Or that all you have to do is just change this thing on your profile or to uh, say this to a man instead of that to a man or to text this instead of texting that. And I'm just I just think it's all BS. And so I would just love to be able to support more women to empower themselves that love is possible in our swipe left world. So again, to leave a rating review, all you do is search for Love Life Connection in your podcast search bar and then tap the podcast and then tap rating or the review tab and then you can leave a rating. And then if you have another 30, 45 seconds, leave a quick review for me and I would be so, so grateful. And I do read every single one of them and I'm just so, so grateful for the kind comments coming in. All right, so let's get to part two of how I found love. Now, I have to say, I love this whole series that I created, but this one is, you know, when I was writing this the first time, and even when I go back through and I was editing it and rereading it before I was going to record it for my podcast, I got a little teary eyed like a lot of the times. And I just have to say that. And it's just because looking back at this time in my life that I'm going to tell you about was definitely emotionally the darkest time of my life. It was so, so hard. And it just took writing it out for me to realize it and have so much compassion for myself. Let's see, this would have been almost 10 years ago, not quite almost 10 years ago. And just having so much love and compassion for her for myself 10 years ago and for holding the space for her because that's what she really needed at the time. And she just really needed to tell her story. And so even though I've grown a lot and I'm in a relationship that I am really happy in and I love and adore Stevie, there was still a part of me that I realized after writing out my story that she hadn't really told her story myself 10 years ago. She hadn't really told her story and she had, you know, something to share and she had some healing more to do because it was such a hard time. And so I'm excited to share this part of my life with you. And I've shared a little bit of this story in the How I Met Your like totally in How I Met Your Mother world now, and uh, why you're attracting emotionally unavailable men. I did talk about one of those guys in that story, but I talk about it in a little bit of a different way here. And I think I go a little bit kind of deeper into what was going on for me emotionally. So I'm so thrilled to share the story with you. And let's just get right to it. I feel like I've been alluding to it enough. So to catch you up from part one, you know, if it's been a week or so since you've listened to the last episode, I had, I had just graduated college. And I was getting ready to move to Jerusalem to go to grad school at Hebrew University. And I had just broken up with my college sweetheart. And he wanted to marry me and I thought I wanted to marry him. But then the distance told me, nope, you don't actually want to marry him, Veronica. (laughs) So life was exciting. 
And it was really scary at the same time. I mean, I was so excited to be moving abroad. I had, I've had the travel bug ever since I was 15. I have no idea where it came from because my parents aren't big travelers, especially not international travelers. But I saved my babysitting money from when I was a teenager and paid for a a peer trip for myself to go to Australia. I mean, I just loved being abroad. I mean, that's just what I did, where I spent my money, where I spent my time. So I was really, really excited to say the least. But I was really nervous about making a big move. You know, any move is a little bit scary and intimidating. The language barriers can be difficult. I had studied Hebrew and Arabic in college, but I was certainly not fluent. I had not used it very much on the street. Of course, cultural barriers make it hard. And especially, of course, I needed new friends now. I was leaving all of my college friends behind. And I had felt mostly confident in my decision to break up with my boyfriend, my college sweetheart boyfriend. But of course, I had some lingering doubts like, oh my God, did I just make a huge mistake? And maybe I felt love for him, but I just didn't know what love felt like. And so I didn't really feel like there was love there. Or our story was so sweet and romantic. How could he have not been the one for me? And of course, I grappled and I questioned, oh my God, did I just break up with my soulmate? I mean, these questions kept me up. They kept me feeling very anxious in the weeks leading up to the breakup and of course, after the fact. But as soon as I got on that plane, my doubts and fears were totally gone. And in that moment, I knew I had made the right decision because I was so excited about what was to come and to the adventure that was awaiting me. I was no longer concerned with what I had left behind. And so I got to Jerusalem and settling in, starting school, meeting friends, a guy that I had kind of known in college. I didn't really know him that well. He lived in Ramallah. Quick political lesson for you all listening, and I'm not going to get into the politics of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but I was living in Jerusalem, which is actually Hebrew used in East Jerusalem, but it's in Jerusalem. And then Ramallah, where this guy was living, is the quote-unquote like de facto capital, you could say, of Palestine, the West Bank, whatever you want to call it. Basically, it's the part of the Palestinians um, run that territory. Where I was living, the Israelis ran that territory. And he's living in Ramallah. There's a lot of expats in Ramallah because of nonprofits and all that kind of, you know, peace organization. So there's, there's a huge expat community there. So he was living there with another UNC person and a lot of other expats. And he invited me and a friend to come out for the night. And I just thought, sure, why not? I want to practice my Arabic anyways. So I went out to Ramallah thinking I was just going to go visit Ramallah and see what it was like in the West Bank. Because I had been to Israel many, many times with Jewish groups, but I never experienced the West Bank from the Palestinian perspective. So I wanted to see that. So anyways, I took him up on it. And that night we were at a bar in Ramallah and he started flirting with me, which I have to say, this took me total by surprise. I was not expecting this at all. Even though I, of course, I've always wanted to be in a serious relationship and a long-term relationship at that moment, like I had just gotten to the Middle East. Like I was not, it was not on my radar that I was going to be dating him or anyone. So he started flirting with me and I was like, oh my God. And the reason why I was so shocked wasn't that he was flirting with me, but I was so shocked that he was so into me. And I never felt like that before with any other guy that I had been flirting with or he had been flirting with me. And the reason why I never felt like that is because, you know, he went to UNC. And again, I knew who he was, but I didn't really know him that well. But he was a pretty popular guy on campus. And in the opinion of many women, he's very, very attractive. And I thought he was attractive, too. 
And so I couldn't believe that he was into me. And at that point, like what was going on through my head was it doesn't even matter how I feel about him or it doesn't even matter about anything else. All that matters right now is holy shit, he is into me. Holy shit. That's pretty much the only thing that was going through my mind. And he was doing the initiating 100%. And honestly, I had never had that before with anyone else that I was also attracted to. It was usually me trying really hard or doing those woo girl things or trying to attract attention to get the attention of the guys that I wanted. He was 100% initiating. And I had no idea where it was going to lead, but I knew I was down for whatever because the confidence and ego boost were great. And again, I had just never had that before. And so after that evening, we started spending most weekends together and a couple weeknights too. So we quickly became official and things were really fun. So if any of you all have ever, if you're an American living abroad, and maybe it's the same for expats, if you're a citizen of another country and live in another country, then I'm sure it's the same type of thing. But expat culture can be really, really fun. You know, you travel a lot on the weekends to interesting places. You can go out and take advantage, depending, I guess, where you are in the world, but at least where I was, take advantage of cheap beers and cheap food to, you know, you could have a pretty good nightlife and not spend an insane amount of money like you would in this in the States. And the other cool part is that, at least from my experience, was that you get an instant group of friends because there's only so many expats in any given city, especially a smaller city like Ramallah. So after a while, all the expats know each other and then we all just hang out together. So it's just a really, really fun life. And to be honest, I went out way more in Ramallah as an expat there than I ever did in college, probably. So the relationship was fun. I had a great time getting to know all these different expats and his friends. And it was just a really, really fun relationship for the first few months. The problem was that we had massively different expectations of the relationship. And we never talked about it. And I never even knew to talk about it. Because no one ever told me I just thought those types of things were assumed. And this expectation started rearing its ugly head about six months after we started dating. So we started dating in October, November or so of that year. And he was planning to move back to the U.S. the following June. So that's about, what, seven or eight months after we started dating. And I knew I definitely wasn't going back then because I was only my first year of grad school. So I had another year of grad school left. And then, of course, after that, no clue what I was doing. Anyways, I knew there was that end date But I thought that we were in a real relationship, and I put real in quotes, in the sense that when June came, we'd see where we were in our relationship and then make a decision together about whether or not we wanted to continue. I just assumed at the very, very least, there would be a conversation. And from what he told me, so again, this is my perspective, I'm not here to share anyone else's perspective. My, From my perspective of what he told me is that he never saw it that way. He always saw our relationship as temporary since he always knew he was going back to the U.S. in June when we started dating back in the fall. And I was so devastated and I was confused. I just questioned, like, had he not grown any emotional connection with me? I thought six months was more than enough time to develop a real connection with someone, enough at least entertain the idea of a conversation about where his leaving left us. But for him, it was always going to be temporary from the beginning. And for me, I thought, well, we'll just see what happens by the time the time for him to come comes. Anyways, by April of that year, so he's going to leave in about two months Our relationship was so hard because it just became a countdown to our breakup. And it just got harder and harder 
every single time and because every single time I would see him, I knew that that was one last time that we would have time together. And I don't blame him. I don't think any of us were wrong. I just think a simple conversation up front about our expectations could have saved at least me a lot of heartache. I just didn't know you're supposed to have those kind of conversations. I talk a lot about doing the deep work on this podcast. And if you're like many women, you might be wondering, what is the deep work? I've been to therapy, so how is that different? And most important, you might be wondering, all right, Veronica, how do I do it? And how will it change my life? If that's you, I've got great news. I've created a brand new, totally free workshop called Attract Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. In this on-demand workshop, you'll learn why most women do all the right things, read books, listen to the podcast, even go to talk therapy, but nothing changes in their love life. I'll also walk you through my deep work, deep love framework, so you know exactly what you can do to start attracting better fitting and healthier relationships. And you'll learn how to overcome the number one obstacle to your love life transforming. Whether you have no idea why you attract who you attract, or you know your patterns, but you can't seem to shift them, you'll go from feeling stuck to knowing exactly what you need to do to move forward. Again, this workshop is totally free and you can watch it right now. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash soulmate to sign up. So he left in June and I'll spare you the ugly cry details. It's neither here nor there. But... Luckily, I had an adventure planned for myself that summer. So like I've told you, I was a grad student at Hebrew University. And part of my requirement was I had to pass pretty high proficiency tests in both Hebrew and Arabic. And I did not like the Arabic program in at Hebrew University. And so I decided I wanted to go to a university in one of the major Arab cities around Israel to study Arabic there because I wanted to also have a program that We learn more of the colloquial dialect. So I enrolled to go to Damascus University in Syria, and I was going to live with a family there that summer to practice my colloquial Arabic with the family, but then also have formal Arabic study. And so that's what I was doing. And so after we broke up, I probably left, oh, I don't know, probably about a month or so after the Hebrew use calendar is a little bit different than the American calendar because School doesn't start until after all the Jewish holidays are over, which is like October. So the school year doesn't necessarily end until about July or so. Anyway, so I left in July. And the solo travel, because I traveled up to Syria by myself. And even though I met other people there, it was still like my trip. I was just meeting people along the way. It allowed me to, to heal myself and to get some space from the relationship. And it really did work, you know, and And maybe this is why running away from your problems doesn't really work, because when I got back to Jerusalem, I got myself in the same situation. So while I was over this one guy, I hadn't really healed the core issue that was keeping me in a pattern of being attracted to men who were not emotionally available to me. So that's what I have to say about that. So escaping from relationships or just, you know, waiting till you get over it, but not actually doing the work around it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good in the long run. So Anyways, I got back to Jerusalem and I had an internship, a graduate internship, and I was totally crushing on this guy who worked at that organization that I was interning at. I was super into him. We had similar interests and similar values. And unlike the last guy, he was Jewish. So I thought, well, of course he has to be the one because we're really into each other and he's Jewish, right? And yes, there was a lot of chemistry. And I was super, super crazy about this guy. Now, you might have heard me talk a little bit about this story 
in the series I did on why you're attracting emotionally unavailable men. So bear with me if you've heard that, but I'm just going to talk about it for just a second. And then I'm going to get into what I did after these two relationships, which I think is super profound. Anyways, I was really crazy about this guy. And I thought kind of being with him was a long shot because he worked where I was a graduate student intern. And I just thought, oh my God, he's really perfect. Like if the last guy was perfect, this guy's even more perfect because he's Jewish. And I just questioned like, oh my gosh, did I deserve it? Could I really be with him? Could it really be that perfect? But I truly, truly felt like he was the one in my less filled heart. Anyways, so about a month or so after mad crushing on him, we hung out on our own one night and that's when we started dating. And he really was into me at first as well. And the first guy I told you about, he was pursuing me. He was super into me as well, like hardcore at first. And so back to the second guy, whether or not he thought I was the one, I don't really know. But I know that he was talking to some childhood friends from home and he was telling them about me. So those are all good signs, right? So I knew these things. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is it, this is it. So things were really, really good. Like really good for about two months or so. And then I could feel him beginning to slip away. And it was so subtle at first. My friends thought I was crazy. And maybe from the outside, nothing really even did change. It was just like an energy that changed. And I could sense it. And I just knew that he was not into me the way that he was into me at the beginning. And it was like stupid, small little things like less smiley faces in his text, not as many explanation points in his text. He was still initiating contact or time together, but it was like maybe a tiny bit less and just wasn't texting me like good morning texts or how's your day going texts like those just kept dwindling. And when we talked and when we did hang out, I could just tell he was not as present with me as he was before when we first started dating and we were both really into each other. So I could tell something was off. And so I became obsessed with making sure that he liked me and that we were still on the same page. And I thought the best way to get him to like me was just to spend more time because of course he would spend more time with me, right? Like that would make me more desirable. Totally, totally wrong. Anyways, that was what I thought at the time. So I obsessed with how I could run into him by chance or finagle a situation where we'd be randomly hanging out on a Friday or Saturday night if we didn't already have plans. But the more I tried the further away he got, the more desperate I felt. And so then that would make me want to try even harder. And I was still so into him. I was so tied to how we were at the beginning. But deep down, like I just, I just knew that he was definitely slipping away. And I just kept holding on to the hope that, oh, he just like, he liked me so much at the beginning. I just need us to get back to that. Then I'll be good. But really I was in denial. And this denial became the norm for our relationship. And we actually dated for another four months after I felt like he was slipping away, even after I knew that we were going to be done. And he eventually broke up with me when I, you know, brought how I was feeling up with him. It was a lot of time holding back and dealing with the ups and downs, but eventually I, I couldn't take it anymore. So I did talk to him and he broke up with me. And you know, during those four months, my emotion du jour was 100% based on whether I felt like he was getting closer to me or further from me. And I was on such an emotional roller coaster that the highs felt like I was on drugs. And the lows were so low, I couldn't or didn't do the work I needed to do in grad school. It was just very, very drastic differences in my moods from day to day. And I felt like I had zero control over it. And in fact, I felt so out of control with my emotions and difficulty managing my emotions. It was the first time I ever started going to therapy. And my therapist changed everything for me. 
And she was really the catalyst that reignited my love of personal growth. Now, one thing I haven't shared is that I've actually always kind of been obsessed with personal growth. I read all the chicken soup for the soul books when I was growing up. And when I was going through puberty, my mom bought me like a few of those, you know, our bodies, ourselves, whatever. That was like the one title I remember other puberty books. And I read them all and I was fascinated, not just because like, you know, what was happening to me and those kind of questions about what, you know, what was going on in my life. But I was just so fascinated by just the growth aspect and what it meant and, you know, the bigger picture. Anyways, so my therapist really got me back into the space because I had been occupied recently with relationships and dating and finding my husband and all those things. So my therapist, she wasn't like super savvy in dating. She was a very religious Orthodox Jew. So she had a very different dating and relationship experience than I will probably ever have. But she helped me understand so much about myself and my childhood that it seemed like, well, duh, no wonder I found myself two times in a row in relationships with guys that were not available to me. And I think also what made these two relationships so much harder was that at this point, a lot of my friends were getting married or were at least in serious relationships with the person that they would eventually marry. So I just felt like I was getting behind. And what was more frustrating than just getting behind is that I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. So it wasn't even just that like I was just a few steps behind other friends. It was like I wasn't moving forward at all and they were moving forward and I felt stuck. Like I had just didn't know what to do to move forward. You know, and I just, and I couldn't figure it out. You know, most of the guys in college, I quote unquote dated, just wanted to hook up. I never had a real date in college. Then I broke up with the one guy who loved me. And then I got into two seemingly great relationships at the beginning right in a row, only to realize that neither of them had plans of taking me seriously as a life partner. So I had a lot of emotions going through me. And anger was definitely one that I felt a lot at that time in my life. I believe I had wasted, you know, almost two precious years of my 20s that could have been focused on finding my husband. But instead, I had been obsessed with these two guys who ultimately didn't want me. And I was also angry at myself because I felt like I had missed out a lot on living abroad because I was chasing these two guys around. So instead of going on a weekend trip to Jordan with friends from school or going to a happy hour with a bunch of girlfriends from school, I opted to stay in Jerusalem or go into Ramallah to hang out with one of those guys. So, you know, when the second relationship ended, I just felt completely lost and alone. I just felt like I was screwing everything up. I couldn't get anyone to like me. And the one person who said I pushed him away. So I just needed someone to talk to. And I remember the first time I met with my therapist. We actually met at a coffee shop because finding some addresses in Jerusalem's roads can be a nightmare. So this is long before smartphones and Google Maps reached abroad. And I'm sure it's not just Jerusalem, but I think even just a lot of old cities like in Europe and across the Middle East, like those roads just make no sense, right? So we just met at the coffee shop so then she could walk me to her office so I could see where it was. And so I was sitting outside the cafe at the table waiting for my therapist to arrive. And this middle-aged woman, presumably my new therapist, walked up to me and asked, are you Veronica? And before she could even sit down, I just started crying. Like the sobbing, ugly cry kind of cry. And there were years of pain and frustration and hurt and anger and just everything was in those tears. But I think I also started crying when she approached me 
It was because there was some relief in those tears too. Finally, I had hoped I had had someone in my life who'd understand me, who was an unbiased source, who I could talk to, who I could be a sounding board to, who could help me understand things and see things in my life and myself that I couldn't see for myself. And it was just a powerful and profoundly healing moment for me to have that person come into my life. And honestly, I had no idea what to expect. I'd never been to therapy before, but she had a presence about her that I just really needed at that moment. And something in me knew that things were going to get better. And the good news is that they did. They got a lot better, but I'm going to leave you here for this week and I will be with you next week with with next week's installment of How I Found Love. Until then. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.